Hey everybody, welcome to Public Access America's Just a Tip. Hey everybody, my name is Jason from Public Access America and I want to say thank you for listening. This is a tip for all my podcasters out there because I know you're listening and because I know we share tips and tricks on Twitter at Public Access Pod. Save your old episodes. You want to save your old episodes so that from time to time you can put together a clip show of past shows. This will give you a week off, a chance to recharge, and a chance to show people that you work with and that work with you that their time matters and that they are appreciated by you and that you wanted to think ahead to give them the time they needed for the space that they need. Thank you for listening to Public Access America. Find us anywhere you find your favorite podcasts and enjoy this clip show. It is time now for something positive. We might be headed to the promised land of speaking the truth and finding our external liberty once we internally liberate ourselves. Problem can only be solved when there is a kind of coalition of conscience. Of conscience. Because conscience. that is how it works. This is the beginning. It is not the finale. And that's why we're here. And that's why we rally, 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 rally. We've got to be that creative minority. Creative minority. Creative minority. A way to get in the way. I got in trouble. It was good trouble. It was necessary trouble. Frankly, I know we've got to do something. Do something. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Public Access America. My name is still Jason. Jeffrey isn't here because we're doing a wonderful thing called a clip show today. I like to go back in the past and hear what we've said before and catch moments just randomly of importance. I don't really plan on the clip. I just kind of go to a spot on the tracks, edit, put it in, and see what happens. This one happens to be Rick the Republican's 11-point plan to rescue America from all the greatness they left behind. And I really like this episode because it kind of gives a little bit of insight into the Republicans' plan for the future. There isn't much of it. We don't like to be political these days, but I think this is important to know, to understand, for the humans that have to live under the policies politicians create, we should at least learn about them before they enact them so that we can have a say prior to them becoming legislation. So thank you for listening to Public Access America. Um, we're, We're enjoying a week off, and that is really nice to do for myself and my co-host. We all need our mental health, and taking that time is important. So please support and enjoy this clip show, and we will be back next week with more episodes of Public Access find. So Rick Scott came up with a list of uh, 11 things that the Republican Party was going to work on, and I was looking Mm -hmm. for it because one of those things is government reform and debt. And Mm -hmm. He feels that many government agencies should either be moved out of Washington or shuttered entirely. So that goes along with your views, right? Um, similar. I I believe that I believe that I don't know that moving the you know an agency out of an area makes any sense. Uh, it, there are certain realms where it does make sense. So, for example, like 
BLM, the BLM, Bureau of Land Management. Mm-hmm. Most uh, Bureau of Land Management lands are in the western part of the United States, like a vast majority of them. So when it comes right. to like the actual like management of those lands, I do believe that that should be done more locally if you're going to keep them in government hands. But it's all based out of D.C., and so it's more of a political branch than it is an actual management branch. And that's a problem because then you have a lot of political money being spent on politics rather than actual land management. So there's that. Good point. But there is a... There is a cost to travel and administration. There's, yeah, like the there department, was a cost department to travel. of agriculture. There was a cost. Like you should, you know, this is one of those things where we need to start thinking about this in terms of of modern day, not you know, fifty years right. ago. Yeah, it used <clears> to be a horse and buggy two months to get to Washington from or a, you know your state. or fifteen hundred dollar plane ticket. And look at you know, you and I are literally on opposite ends of the fucking country, and we're talking. Right. So let's be real honest, like some of this stuff, you know, there needs to be, uh, there really needs to be a, a solid look at how this is being managed. I do believe that Ooh. there are far too many administrators taking money out. And and really what it boils down to is, is that my view of it is, is that I would like to see a lot fewer portions of the government and i really think that it needs a solid audit to uh, see where things are being spent because there's so much money that gets spent on administrative stuff what that means is is that you're not actually getting product you're not actually getting services you're literally just paying for bodies and you know those bodies i'm not saying they don't provide some level of service but the more administration you have, the less you actually spend on the issue that you're claiming to spend money on. And that's the reality mm. is, is that, you know, you have, when you have that many levels of administration, each level requires more money because, you know, you have to administer yeah. the, you have to administrate the administrators and then you have to administrate mm-hmm. the administrators who administrate the administrators. And the more that you do Don't that, their benefits. <clears throat> the more that you do that, the more money that you spend on things that are not actually, but by having, you know, something that's a lot more decentralized, you're now actually working on management. You're actually providing better benefit and you're actually going to be able to make a difference and an effect. Like, for example, uh, this is a tough one, like national parks, for example. Um, national parks are always going to be a tough one. National parks need more money to keep themselves running and up to date. But, you know, national parks are spread out all over the country. There's not like a vast majority in one or the other, you know. I mean, there's a lot on the right. western on the western side, yeah. But there's also a lot of nat- national parks on the eastern side. Oh, yeah. So this is where the idea of decentralizing, uh, you know, or moving, moving a government agency doesn't necessarily make any sense because you're, essentially what you're going to be doing is building a new office, spending a bunch of government money to have the same level of administration just in a different part of the country. That doesn't make any sense. You've already got, right. you've already got something built and administer, you know, and as an administrating from there, the question is, is you need to sit down and audit it and how much money is going mm-hmm. to waste. And that's the real question. Yeah. Cause I, I believe that 
I would I would not agree with Rick Scott on a great many of things that should be eliminated. And and that's the thing is like I, I have not seen what his list is, so I have no idea what what all he said needed to be eliminated. <clears throat> yeah, no. And I'll put I'll put I'm just going over the headlines of his proposals. Like I'll put the link in the in the chat so other people can read it further. Like, okay, so number one, he wants to reform education. And what that says right here is we will inspire, let's see what we got. We will inspire patriotism and stop teaching the revisionist history of the radical left. Our kids will learn. That's that's number one on his agenda. Okay, so basically he wants right-wing propaganda to be taught instead of left-wing propaganda. Or or no propaganda? Or no, none? the the fact is is that, you know, that whole like patriot history. Oh fuck off with that shit. I know exactly oh, what that okay. means. The 1776 project. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's like, look, you know, I'm not when you look at yeah. history, this is the reality that people don't tend to understand. History might be written by the winners, but there's still the loser's side and story that needs to be told as well. And yeah, it's hard to sit down and say, okay, which of this, what of this is just, you know, patriotic embellishment and what, what of this is just, Mm -hmm. you know, the loser being butthurt and embellishing on, on, you know, the defeat that they took rather than, you know, understanding that objectively, you know, the experience is awful and that, you know, people like me have a lot to appreciate based on how our world has progressed there are a number of people who have not gotten to progress in the same way and you have to be able to understand how that history has worked i mean what are we what are we going to tell people about slavery for example are we going to sit down and say oh no america is great because it was built on slavery you're going to be an idiot if you say that well, the South says slavery was a good thing that white people came and gave these people a place to live and work and they treated them well and no. gave them everything they needed. You know, they celebrate it in certain towns in the South. I think in Georgia, they have a slavery day where they have black people doing the Uncle Tom sort of thing. A thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, I think I think school is based more on an outline as to where they show you a bunch of topics that are possible for you to continue learning, but they will never have the in-depth ability to teach anybody enough of anything to make them radicalized in one way or another. You know what I mean? We might learn about slavery on a half a page, but we also might learn about the um, the, pa- the founders' papers. We, I never learned about mm-hmm. that in school. You have to have a further education to be radicalized in one way or another. You know what I mean? So school isn't going to do that. If they're talking about slavery, it's a very polished version of it. And if you want to learn more, you have to go continue your education. Right. You know? and, and I think that's, you know, and, and that's you know, like anything else, like our, our history needs to be very neutral. You know, yes, we arrived, mm-hmm. we arrived by, you know, several ships from several different countries, but we also have to acknowledge yeah. that in order for us to live in those areas, we did have to kill native American populations in order for us to take any sort of foothold. And that, and that right. those policies literally became a governmental policy manifest destiny, for example, mm-hmm. 
Sure, sure, sure. But it wasn't just America at that time. Oh you yeah, know, no. It was a it was a slavery was a boom, a thing that started happening all over the place. <clears throat> White people started exploring and they found that brown people had brown servants. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, We want that. So they started stealing brown people around the world. And brown people enslaved brown people too. And slaves in America were Muslim. They were Asian. They were black. They were poor, poor. Um, mentally challenged white people. Slaves weren't demographically black. They weren't monolithically black. But in this day and age, we really need to let people know that the way we treated a majority of the black slaves, mm-hmm. because they were they were 70, 80%, but there was other people in there too. You know what I mean? And, but we need to get people to understand that black people weren't the problem. And they're not the problem, and I don't understand why denying that past is a a good thing. You know it, what I mean? I want to know everything, but that's me. And that's and, and but what it boils and what it also boils down to is you know everything is is become so polarized, and and there's grand opinions on all of this stuff. Like like mm-hmm. critical race theory is one of my favorites. Like there's no high school or middle school or elementary school that's going to teach critical race theory. Why? Because you don't have educators in those roles that understand critical race theory. And it's taught maybe in a couple of colleges. And the reality is, is is that, you know, like I've said multiple times, if you know anything about something called the three fifths compromise, welcome to the gateway to critical race theory. Sure. I mean, we're we're studying everything all the time. We're analyzing everything all the time. We're analyzing how laws affect race, how they were used against minorities. That's just something people do. It's called thought. It's called thought. You know what I mean? And, and don't get me wrong. <laughs> you know, there there are people that are going to take it too far one way or the other. You know, mm-hmm. any type of supremacy is a bad thing. <laughs> Let's be real honest. Sure, but But if you're standing in a store... And you see a black man get tackled to the ground by a police officer and you think to yourself, I wonder if that was justified. Yeah, that's critical race theory. You're you're considering the way the law is being used against a minority. And even if you're, you're in your own personal life, you're still doing it. Like, I didn't get treated like that. Why does he get treated like that? Oh, I'm glad he gets treated like that. Or I'm not glad. That's critical race theory. Right. <laughs> and that's and that's the real answer is, is that, you know, out of all of this stuff, it's that, you know, you have to, you have to look at it objectively and there's going to be people on, on, on multiple sides that are going to be pissed at, you know, at the data and the results that are collected. And, and that's, Mm -hmm. and and that's okay because, you know, oftentimes, you know, we think we know what the answer is. And then when we start to collect the data, suddenly it's like, Oh shit, that doesn't look anything like what I thought it would. Right. But we're not, we're not doing these things to blame white people. Like we're not thinking about that police officer tackling that black guy as a, as a racial issue. We're just like, why is it affecting minorities more? But we're not seeing the the white officer as the blame. It's the system we're blaming, not the individual white people, you know? And I think a lot of white people are scared that they will have a guilt of culpability when it comes to slavery. That's not what it's about. We're not blaming the white people in 2022 for the past white people 
that did things, but we do want to balance the system a little bit so it doesn't overly attack one group over another. Exactly. And that's just and that's it. and that's and and that's the reality is is that you have to objectively look at the system every you know you have to look at it all the time because you have to see what's changing Mm -hmm. you know that's you look at drug laws for example like marijuana marijuana is one of my favorite ones simply because like you know alcohol's alcohol is legal but was prohibited and we saw how that played out marijuana you know it got it it became illegal to use and when you look Mm -hmm. at the demographic of who got arrested for it at some point that demographic changed and People started going. Oh shit! We're getting we're getting a lot of people across the board that are getting arrested for this. Well, maybe we need to look at how we're how we're dealing with this. But, it, but the word the popular the popularization of the word marijuana was a trope used against the Latino communities that it was coming from. Mm-hmm. Like it was coming from Mexico. So Mexicans, they must be using it. Let's call it marijuana, you know, to give it that Latino spin. So we suddenly hate Latinos for marijuana, but it turned out, Jeffrey, we love Latinos for marijuana. <laughs> it turned out too, that we also had a bunch of white people bringing weed in from other parts of the world, uh-huh. like Pakistan. Yeah. So we called it cannabis. So we called it cannabis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, Oh, Hey, it's weed. Right. That's exactly the point. So, okay, number two is awesome because I think this is something we can all get on board on. And uh, it is, we are going to eliminate racial politics in America. I think that's important. Color, colorblind equality. I love this. And it's from a Republican. Well, great. It, I mean, it should be. But that's, once again, when it comes to the politics side of it, you have to look at the lens of how it's affecting people. Any mm. any. Any political action that you take, you're going to have to back up that it has a neutral effect on any particular race. And and the only way that you're going to be able to do that is, number one, input from, you know, a vast body of people. And number two, data that shows that what you have tried to implement actually works. So that's that's something to keep in mind is that it's it's not going to be just enough to sit, you know to pass something that's going to make it neutral. You're going to have to collect data on it and ensure that it is staying neutral and whatever is affecting that is going to change. And I think that you know when you look at it, you know this is something that we've talked about multiple times. Is is that you have the left that inherently thinks that you know black people are going to vote democrat and it's a weird it's a weird idea because you know i think we you know we all know that there's a there's a large group of black conservative christians out there that you know they're not going to vote democrat you know or or yeah. or there's a number of you know Lat- a lot of latinos that come across you know they're very religious and conservative and the idea that they're going to vote you know for democrats just because they're brown is really weird right. it's like you know a lot of oh. like a lot of them like have policy you know they have beliefs pretty much similar to where i grew up and it's like there's no way that they're going to look at that and look at you know democratic party and go yeah no i'm totally going to vote for that yeah, what Cuban is coming from socialism to vote for socialism? You know, and, and so and so that's one of those things. Like, like, like yeah. both parties need to understand that you know they've got to get away from this this weird idea that 
people of color are going to vote for Democrats and only white people are going to vote for Republicans, but that, you know, as a Republican, your policies have to gear towards white people. And as Democrats, your policies have to act like they're going to gear towards everybody, but then only gear towards white people. (laughs) Thanks for listening. That was from a February episode, February 27th, and it was Rick the Republican's 11-point agenda to rescue America from all the greatness they left behind. And it really shows and highlights a lot of what's going around in the national atmosphere, but we on a local level, we don't seem to notice until it comes crushing down on us. So at least at Public Access America, we're giving you some information and I kind of like going back to that because I love I love Jeffrey's like opinions and stuff. You can find that episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Play, Player FM, the Stitcher Smart Radio app, Pocket Addict, and more. This next one coming up is from a great episode called Florida is Closed. Now we're going to be discussing communism and how it evolves and how capitalism and democracy kind of evolve and devolve and all of that stuff. And then we get into some of the Florida politics that seems to be authoritarian in the same way. And what it what it does, the policies that they're creating in Florida they're actually discriminating against the people of Florida and more people should know about that we don't want it to spread we want to get rid of it in Florida and not expand it to other states so here it is yeah that's that's the whole point of it once you get rid of everything else and it's only the pigs then yeah the lesser pigs are the lessers right and it's it's mm-hmm. there's always going to be inequality like i think equality is part of the matrix like the carrot we chase you know oh i'm never gonna have it but it's always fun to try you know well and 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 you know that's one of those things like you know why i you know it's it's one of the biggest reasons why i don't believe in banning books no matter how fucking dumb they are like like i'm sorry but you know when you look at the communist manifesto on paper it looks fantastic right practice never works it will never work and everybody keeps going well but that wasn't real communism but that wasn't real communism it's like you understand that the way that all of these communist movements started out look a lot like what quote-unquote real communism was supposed to be Mm -hmm. but it only takes about 20 years and then all of a sudden it looks exactly like what it looked like in china in the soviet union in cuba in yugoslavia in any name any communist country and it exactly goes that direction every single time why because power corrupts and you put people in power they're going to inevitably take as much as they can and especially when they can sell a good enough lie that everybody's going to be equal right no, I I think I I'm a big fan of the movie Gandhi, and I know what the UK did to oppress places like India and Australia and the Bermuda Bahamas. You know the way they treated the people. There was no equality there, and those right. people all had to fight for it. But I just don't. I I think communism might work, and I just think like that's the same thing they think about capitalism in 10 years capitalism will always go to this funding for ourselves that's rich at the top mentality and, well, and that's but they and, all, and they all stray through socialism you know what i mean but it's, that's and that's the thing is is like you know i would say that what you see with you know the with communism where you have that group of people uh that 
you know, tend to take advantage of and have the most wealth. And, you know, that group in capitalism, Mm -hmm. you know, those are, those are juxtapositions of each other. They're at complete opposite ends of the spectrum. And the reality is, is, is that, you know, when you look at communes, they work on a very small scale. Right. I'm thinking of funny Ukraine, the old place, you know? Yeah. And, and, and that's the thing is, is, is it's, uh, well, and that's like Ukraine's not even communist. They're not close. No, but there was a, there was a city called, um, sunny where communism was like the utopia that Russians came to Ukraine and made this place sunny. And it was like a co-op just like we always talk Mm -hmm. about. And yeah, you're right. In a, in a small community level, it works with the group for the whole. Right. And that's and that's the thing is, is that, you know, it, it's really easy for it to work on small scales. Why? Because everybody knows everybody and the idea of screwing somebody over doesn't feel good. Right. But the moment that it moves into any type of a larger scale, it starts to fall apart really quickly. And and I get why, you know, yeah. everybody values and that's and that's part of the problem is, is that everybody values their work, their labor, their anything differently. Mm-hmm. And so it's. It's really unfortunate that uh, it's really unfortunate that people don't see that. Right. It's it would you know I would love it if all of us could actually work together. All of us have equality of opportunity, equality of outcome, equality of any number of given things. But the reality is is that no matter how hard you try, that's never going to be the case. That doesn't mean that we should just give up and say, fuck it free for all, like what we're seeing on the, the other end of the spectrum right. of capitalism. But, you know, I mean, even if you look at Biden's state of the union, you know, capitalism without competition is not capitalism. Right. And he's a capitalist. <laughs> exactly. And that's, and that's one of the things that you and I have talked about several times is, is that, you know, you have to have effective competition and, you know, and unfortunately, like, especially in our conversations around, you know, prescription drugs and all of that, there is no effective competition, right? You know, the competition is between the hospitals, not between the companies. And that's the difference, right? The profits are going to restrict competition, not to make their products better. Exactly. Yeah. And just on a brief note, Facebook still has Instagram and WhatsApp up in Russia. You know, a lot of people pulled out and there was another story that Shell has agreed to buy discounted Russian oil. So there's a boycott going on on Twitter with uh, Shell. So check that out. I want to say just really quickly, uh, Florida is closed right now to tourism. I wouldn't I wouldn't come here right now. I did want to say that. I just want to warn and caution people because it's getting to be summertime and you might want to take a trip to Florida. Right now, they're creating policies to discriminate against LGBTIA, uh, women, children, immigrants. The last two bills were an abortion ban and uh, immigrant discrimination bill. So honestly, if you do come here, you're you're tourism dollars are going to go and fund more policies like this and it just it's just something has to stop and honestly if i'm going to tell you if you do come here for a vacation uh four out of the 10 people that help you from valets to waitresses to that little person in the disney costume they're homeless they don't have um health insurance they don't have a living wage and they're still taking care of you and they're being told your tips will make up for that. So 
I mean, go to California. You know what I mean? Go to Texas if you want. I hate Texas. No, <laughs> don't do, I, don't even do Texas. What I'm saying, if you're a conservative looking for a conservative state, this just, it isn't it. And if you come here and you are anything other than a white Caucasian cisgendered male, you're, you could face discrimination and, and that could happen anywhere. And the state is okay with that. So I just I want to ask people not to come to Florida, please. It's 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 really interesting how the party of you know less government supposedly yeah. keeps finding ways to create more government. Right, and that's and that's the that you know for me as as somebody who who really likes the idea of less government and this party claiming that that's exactly what they do. They mm-hmm. continuously add in new. Uh, pieces of government and new enforcement and new government overreach and it's just yeah. absolutely wild to me oh it's he, you know the courts are gonna are gonna argue all of this and he's just hoping that all gets to the supreme court and he's president by the time that happens you know what i mean mm-hmm. like but i was thinking about this don't say gay ban and we were talking about that and i was like well i don't understand who's talking about penises and vaginas at the age of 3 no up that's, to third graders. that's that's up to third grade and that that includes 9 and 10 year olds and to me that's devastating that's devastating to somebody that's looking at a world around them and trying to come to terms with them themselves in it and being restricted and getting a buzzer and electric shock every time they journey towards the word pansexual or non-binary. And that just, that disgusts me. And so don't come here. Like like it's, yeah, that's, it's cringe. It's It's cringe. It's, it's high cringe. It's, it's insane to be perfectly honest. And I don't understand why it is, a thing that even needs to to come up yeah realistically speaking it's like you know we never addressed sexuality in school like i i think i think even for my kids i want to say it was like fifth or sixth grade when they finally started talking about you know general health and sex and sexuality and it's like you know oh there's you know there are more than one type of attraction out there and it's Mm. like oh oh okay but there's ways you know, to go from that point forward. Like mm-hmm. we, I grew up in a different generation than you. I I mm-hmm. went to a friend's house. His dad had Playboy magazines. That's how I discovered life, right? But we mm-hmm. all have a different way of discovering that journey. And it might happen with your peers at school, right? And that, Oh, God. And that's the thing. When you all start sitting at a lunch table together because you're all relating, then suddenly you're discriminated against. And if you can't address that discrimination, then you can't solve it. And those kids continue to get picked on, you know? You know, it's it basically, you know, when it comes to LGBTQIA community and whether or not, you know, as a straight person, you need to like open your mouth. Think of about, think of it like Russia and Ukraine. Go the fuck home. Right. Leave them alone. You don't need to be involved. Period. That's right. End of story. That's right. It's if, if, if somebody chooses to involve you in that, it's because they think that you're the kind of person that they could talk to, that, that they, that you're a safe person to talk to. Mm-hmm. You're not going to, you know, think of them as another. And, and really that's, that's all it boils down to. And, and this is why I can't stress this enough. Everybody go home. Yeah. Get your nose in your own fucking business. Right. You got your own shit to deal with. Exactly. Fucking leave other people alone. Like let them do them and that's all there is to it. It's like uh-huh. 
it's like it's you know i'm not a religious person i'm not showing up to fucking churches to protest right you know i'm not you know i'm not showing up to any of these other things it's like it ain't my fucking business and it ain't your fucking business either. And, you know, there, there are times and places where we got to have some common ground. You know, everybody's a little bit different uh, in what they view as common ground. Me personally, mm-hmm. you know, uh, one of the more recent ones is, you know, watching people, you know, cheer on the fact that, you know, the Ukrainian government is handing out fully automatic weapons to its citizens because right. of an invasion. But the same people that are cheering on that refuse to even entertain the idea that, you know, one of us would have a gun, period. Right. And that's and 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 that's a that's an issue in and of itself. It's like, is the issue the gun? Is the issue the government? Because if it's the government, let me tell you something about why you'd want to own that gun. Mm-hmm. You know, and and we've and other things that we've talked about. Realistically speaking, like you know, yeah, Ukraine is in a unique situation um, when it comes to an invasion. Yeah, they've got Russia at their doorstep. For us, the only country that is even remotely capable of potentially watch, well, launching a land war against us would be China, and they're not going to fucking do that. Right? They're not going to screw up their status quo for a land war. Period. Mm-mm. No, they're going to wait until Russia is strangled and almost out of oxygen and then off them, offer them a pittance for a pound. You know, Russia is exactly. going to get raped by China at the end of all this. But think about, I think those, so there's these kids and they're discovering things. Like, do your kids understand that non binary is the base at school now? I think younger kids just assume that everyone else is non binary until they are something. And there's a freedom to that. You know what I mean? But there's kids being weird about discovering it. And like in Florida, you can't create a social group at school inclusive of the lgbt so it's very difficult for them to find other people that are also questioning this stuff and so it's just it's really difficult and uh, Mm -hmm. you know seattle's a little more liberal when it comes to that which i find so surprising (laughs) i mean yeah there's you know there's definitely some more you know liberal ideas about it but you know what it boils down to is is that you know I'm the kind of, you know, and this is where I piss everybody off. It's like, look, there's a group of people who want to pray at school. Let them pray at school. If there's a group of people who want to discuss non-binary and trans politics at school, let them discuss it. Right. When it comes to the freedom of exchange of ideas, the more normal your, you know, your relation with other groups are, the easier it becomes, you know. I know plenty of people who are, I would consider themselves very conservative and Christian. They have nothing against trans folks at all. In fact, you know, some of them have friends that are trans and, you know, even some of those friends don't understand, you know, some of the politics that one group or the other has. And it's what it boils down to is, is that, you know, we, we've talked about this so many times people tend to lump it's like oh if you're black you have to be a democrat never mind the fact that there's you know this extremely conservative devout religious group of black people you know it's it's a weird it's a weird idea that you would have anything like this or or the fact that you know there would be you know 
LGBTQIA people that are, of, you know, very firm in their gun ownership, you know, because because owning a gun is a conservative value. It's like, no, like it's meant to it's meant to protect yourself against any oppressor. And if you feel that your oppressor is the government, what better way to keep yourself from being oppressed than by making sure that you have the ability to ensure your rights? The reason that the Second Amendment, uh, you know, the reason the First Amendment uh, exists and is alive and well is in, in this country is because the Second Amendment exists. Sure. Okay. I, th- I don't to... think people understand that a Democrat in Florida is closer to a Republican than a, a Republican in California. You know what I mean? Like, and like there's Joe Manchin, people would consider him a, like a Republican in any other state, but he is a liberal in his state. And there's all these varying degrees to everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's this monolithic behavior because we can't comprehend 7 billion differences. We got to find the similarities. So we were this thing that constantly congeals in combined efforts and then dissipates because we have minute perspectives that go beyond generalizations. Wow. I can't believe I spit that out that well. <laughs> nice. So uh, let's see. How about we're going to get back to a, a Putin Trump thing. I had a thought. So, Here's the real question with both of them, and it's basically either they were smart enough to know what they were doing was wrong and a lie, or that they're lying, or they're so stupid that they can't see that they're being manipulated and that what they're doing is wrong, right? So either Mm -hmm. they're stupid or they're evil. And those are the two choices that we're using to, uh, I don't know, to compare the two. You know what I mean? (laughs) And on that note, I want to say, I feel like we've kind of handed Joe Biden a broom and asked him to clean up a mess. And then we just keep pointing to things and going, you missed a spot. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. maybe we could, maybe we could help sweep that up. Uh, Yeah. So Lindsey Graham said we should kill kill, uh, Vladimir Putin. And, oh, that was dumb. You know, it's these things. I, <clears throat> I I woke up in the middle of the night to see Lindsey Graham on Fox News saying we should kill Vladimir Putin. And I wasn't sure if it was a dream or not, because I have never in my life watched Fox News. And I was like, well, that's not good. <laughs> and so I woke up and I was so happy to see that others, not just me, had seen that and said, that's not good. Is that not good? That is not good. That um, is good, right? It is not good, you know, for the same reason, for the same reason that Vladimir Putin trying to assassinate Zelensky is not good. Like it's, it's, it's a war crime. It really is. And, you know, and that's the thing is, is that we have, especially as Americans, we have to get used to the idea of we, we need people to face justice for their crimes and not give them the, the way out of just, you know, having their their brains blown out in a bunker yeah so realistically speaking assassinating a leader bad decision in fact it's kind of what led to world war one (laughs) (laughs) so i'd rather not i'd rather not have like you know the 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 odd world wars start with a world leader assassination but right unfortunately that uh Republicans were high on the hog of going down into Central and South America, though, and killing leaders, putting in new ones and giving them a buttload of money to be nice. So were the the Democrats, though. Right. So So we know how killing leaders goes, right? 
Yeah, we're we've been pretty good at that, and it's right. not that's a bad decision. <laughs> it doesn't work the way that you think it does. You right. end up putting in somebody who who grows to hate yeah. you even more than the last group of people did. Yeah. Whereas if you would have just like built a working relationship with the people that you weren't necessarily thrilled with, you probably would have had a lot more stability. Jeez, Jeffrey, that seems like too much common sense. Welcome to Public Access America. That was a great clip from our 3-6 live stream recording. You can find our live stream recording on YouTube every Sunday, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. And you can find all of these episodes anywhere you find your favorite podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google Play. Hey, for our disabled listeners, even check out Victor Reader, Audible, or Amazon Music. You can even ask your smart device to play the latest episode of Public Access America, and it will. You can also find us on Twitter at Public Access Pod, where we advocate in real time. Our next clip is from an episode called Let's Start 13.6 Billion Years Ago. And what's amazing about it is one day early on, Jeffrey said, I don't like talking about conspiracies and things that aren't fact, and I've stuck with that. And then all of a sudden, here comes aliens and the universe and histories of that and the evolution of all of that. And I love talking about that with Jeffrey. So here's a great clip from that. This is from 313. Listen up. Adding it to my note. Breaking news on Public Access America. What? That's crazy. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Welcome to Public Access America. My name is still Jason. His name, I'm assuming, is still Jeffrey. And we are here, as we are every week in our live stream, to talk about the world and the weirdness going on in it from our perspective. Jeffrey, is this kind of what hell is? Is this one of the rungs of hell where you and I just sit in eternity talking about a world that's burning down around us? I was, the funny thing was, is I was having this conversation with somebody. I'm like, they're like, what do you think happened? Like, where did we go wrong? I'm, and I keep the running joke for me is, is that, you know, if I had a time machine, I'd go back to 2015 and tell them not to shoot the gorilla at the zoo. Because yeah. everything seemed to went, everything seemed to go to hell right after that. I think it was right after 2012, believe it or not, the Mayan calendar. We discovered the God particle. And I think that messed us up. We finished the periodic table. We found the final element. You know, we know, we know where all 12 dimensions are. And now it's just like, we're fucked up. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm just waiting for, you know, either the world ending comet or asteroid or alien civilization to find us at this point, because, you know, fuck it. Why not? You know, <laughs> Yeah. Either, yeah, either, either it's going to be a weird day, or I'm not going to have to go to work. <laughs> right. I mean, where can it go from here? Right. I mean, you know, honestly, you think about it. Like, what happens if aliens show up on this planet? Do you think anybody's going to go to work the next day? I, I, I don't, I, I don't know. That's a weird, weird sort of thing for me. It's one of those fun things that I imagine, but that I know isn't real. And so that's a tough one for me. My belief is that there's been five civil, there's been five civilizations. We're in the last latest civilization and aliens mm -hmm. are just people that have escaped the implosion of their civilization, that there isn't. There isn't life from other worlds like on Pluto or something, but there is life mm. out there that maybe you know, avoided their apocalypse and they're coming back down to get DNA because they're turning gray and they don't like it, you know? <laughs> 
you know, that's, I was having that, that's another one of those. I was having that conversation with somebody and, you know, when you think about, you know, what we know about the universe, you know, our estimate is, is that the universe is about 13.6 billion years old. Now our tiny little rock floating around a star is about 4.6 billion years old. And in that time frame, all of written human history is condensed down into approximately what? 5,000 years. Five, 6,000 years. Egypt is 5,000 years ago. Peru is 5,000 years ago. When they, but then you also have the Sumerians and all of that, too. And that was right, right around that time as well. So, I mean, you, you have you know, maybe even a little older. So you, you have all of these different civilizations. I mean, even like written language in, in China and Japan dates back, mm-hmm. you know, several thousand years. Right. It's based so on you something. have, so you have all of these different written forms and, and, and all of what we understand history to be um, written is only 5,000 years old through fossil records. We're finding stuff, you know, billions of years old that right. existed on this planet. You know, it's, yeah, it's non-complex life forms. I mean, you know, the idea that we've had anything else complex living here is mm-hmm. we haven't found anything beyond, you know, we haven't found anything that we would consider intelligent like us. Right. And, <clears throat> and that's where it gets really interesting. I just think it's hopping. The information that started this, civilization was just a former civilization gathering what they could hopping their apocalypse landing in our time and dying but leaving us as much information as they could that's that's just what i think you know what i mean and what i think is cool is that like we're learning that neanderthals were with um homo sapiens on the planet with like four other distinct um Mm -hmm. forms of life right like the there was mm-hmm. the small people in the Indonesias. They found a new species in Russia. It's just, and they were interbreeding and all that. And so when yeah, you had Cro-Magnon, you right. had uh, Homo sapien, you had Homo erectus. Yeah, you know, but you had those you had... off-skirt like Hobbit mm-hmm. people. You know, so so even even within that realm, mm-hmm. what we understand, like, and and what we understand might be pushing back about one hundred and fifty thousand years right that's and and compared to you know 4.6 billion years of our planet being what it is that's still something amazing but even if you just take a step back just in our portion of the milky way galaxy our you know our star system isn't that old and in the space of the universe's existence, it has only existed for approximately one third of that time. So, with our finite understanding of time and history, if let's say the world ended tomorrow, that would mean that in the course of that time, there could have been the potential that not just this, but two additional life creating you know stars planets etc existed and disappeared from existence like we have no idea what potential civilizations even just existed within this now if you think about that and now expand that to the fact that um you have you know hundreds of billions of stars in one galaxy and then hundreds of billions of galaxies Mm -hmm. the idea that 
somewhere out there there isn't some form of intelligent life that has figured out things that we haven't that has flourished and vanished from existence it's 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 i mean it is a theoretical impossible that all that has ever existed in terms of life existed on this one little rock read i do, i think that we're we are within life you know what i mean like, mm-hmm. i think that like um what is quantum mechanics is a lot like the universe studying the universe just on a different scale like the cell Mm -hmm. rotates just like the universe does you know what i mean and i think in that there's a symmetry there's uh there's like supposed to be 12 dimensions here's a great question for you Mm -hmm. i never expected to ask if there's 12 dimensions and we live within three of them does that mean there's total of four different places to go or could the next dimension over to us actually contains six dimensions and there might be only be two places. <laughs> you know what I mean? They keep saying that, you know, quantum physics is complete with 12 dimensions. And I'm always wondering, but if we live in three, like a fish lives in two, if you pick a fish up, you move him into a third dimension. He never knew existed. Could people, could we be picked up out of this universe and be shown like another four dimensions it's so confusing to me but this is where my mind wanders when i get high on a saturday night and watch ancient aliens you know what i mean (laughs) so so just to give you an idea we actually so we live in four dimensions four that we can four okay time time is a dimension so we live on an xyz axis that's how we're able to have you know 3d spindly noodles but then the fourth is time now there's all these wonderful questions you know uh number one like how you know because we're able to manipulate three dimensions how do we manipulate the fourth dimension you know that was part of einstein's theory of relativity Mm -hmm. is is that you know you couldn't you know there were a couple of different ways that you could quote unquote manipulate time was number one you literally fold it so that way you can travel faster than the speed of light or number two, you punched a hole through uh, the time dimension. Now, of course, this is all highly theoretical. Right. You wouldn't actually but, be traveling faster than the speed of light. You'd just be going a shorter distance through time if you folded it. Mm-hmm. And you know, so you never, you never actually go faster than the speed of light. You literally fold the dimension of time, or you punch through the right. dimension of time. And And that's one of those ones where we have absolutely no idea how that's possible. Yeah. Where would you go? You know, where would you end up? That's so, that's so. Well, and um, that's, and that's the grand question. Right. Right. And that's the grand question is we we don't know. You want to hear something weird about time? If you're at sea level, it moves at one rate. If you're in the mountains, it moves slower. If you're in space, it moves even slower. The further you get away from gravity, the slower time goes. And in that you could stay up in space and come back down at a different time yep and that's and that's that's something in and of itself that's absolutely fascinating which is what lends to the idea of if we could fold time what would that mean right got it who sings that song if we could fold back time <laughs> no that's turn back time and that's share god damn it um so let's see here that's so funny uh looking at some of these other dimensions uh 
so fifth and sixth no are where the notion of possible uh possible worlds arise uh fifth dimension we would see slightly different from our own that would give us means for measuring similarity and differences between our world and other possible ones uh, six would be a plane of possible worlds where we could compare the position uh, and compare and position all the possible universes that start with the same initial conditions. So this is where we're getting into multiverse theory. Right, right. And, and, and that's where uh, um, that's where it really gets interesting. Seventh dimension, you have access to possible worlds that start with different initial conditions. Wow, Rick and Morty. So, <laughs> so this would be like, you know, if, if the Big Bang wasn't the Big Bang. Right, right. Um, if it started eight, because a toaster popped up. <laughs> the eighth dimension gives us a plane of such possible universe histories um, with different initial conditions and branches out indefinitely. Ninth dimension, uh, compare all possible universe histories starting at all the different possible laws of physics. Uh, this only says there's 10. So the 10th and final dimension uh, uh, arrive at the point in which everything possible and imaginable is covered. Wow. So so it's not until we hit like the like the the sixth and seventh dimensions, the fifth, sixth, seventh dimensions that we start getting into multiverse theory. Multiverse theory is really interesting to me. It is. I wonder if I'm an asshole in every single dimension. <laughs> <laughs> I think literally. or or there was or one of the funnier ones was, you know, when when uh John Oliver was interviewing Stephen Hawking and and uh John Oliver asked, so what you're saying is, is there's possibly a dimension out there where I'm smarter than you. And Stephen Hawking replies with, and a dimension where you're funny. <laughs> I was like, you know, yeah. that's that. Yeah, and that's, and, and, and I think that's one of the glories of, you know, where, where we sit on the cusp of science. This is like these, you know, I, there's a reason why I love the, I don't know. Is because you know we don't we don't necessarily deal with you know finalities, right? You know, and that's one of those things where you can get into any number of philosophical arguments. You know, like for example, you know, the, we talk about in religion heaven and hell often. So the question then would be: Are heaven and hell just different planes of existence that fall within one of the you know seven to seven to nine dimension, the seventh or ninth mm -hmm. dimension, or sixth or ninth dimension? Right. Or is it just an abstract of our own being? Well, and, and you know, I think many a great philosopher have asked that question: Is it, you know, is it an idea that was simply made up to make you know people behave and be good to each other, or yeah. you know, is there is this an actual plane of existence? I mean, to tell you that's like, you know, there's there, you know, if you look at multiverse theory, there is nothing that says that the plane of heaven doesn't exist and that the plane of hell doesn't exist. And so that's where it gets really interesting. And then, you know, we also, you know, especially in the Catholic church, we, we, we talk to, we talk about limbo a lot, uh, or, you know, so that way, you know, where you're sitting there, or purgatory, right. um, another word for it. And, and, that idea of you're just kind of sitting there waiting, like it's just dead space. Right. Well, I think that's a lot of what existence is. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about the devil 
you know? And mm -hmm. I thought to myself, the thing about the devil is that religion is based on redemption and the devil is unredeemable. And I don't get that oxymoron within religion that we would give up on a fallen angel because he did something so bad. We wouldn't continue to try and, and redeem him. Well, and that's, and that's actually where, you know, the difference in Catholic philosophy is versus I would say, you know, more of the sectarian Christianity. Right. It's not that it's not that um, it's not that Satan was not redeemable. It's that Satan refused to be redeemed. And that was the difference. Interesting. Okay. So, you know, the concept was, the concept was never that, you know, they're, you know, you're completely unredeemable. It's, it's that you had the choice to be redeemed and people would actively make that choice to not be redeemed. And then that's where you fall in with, you know, Satan, Lucifer, mm. um, morning star however you want to however sure. you want to put it but we're all given those but, choices every minute of every day on which direction to go and i think and that's you know the point, you know exactly and you know that there are people out there that refuse to be you know refuse any type of redemption for themselves and that's and that's the reality is is that you know what the what the teaching really is about is is that you know you can you can make the choice to do right to do good or you can make the choice to do wrong redemption is there you have to seek it right and for those that refuse to seek it there's only one place that awaits you and that's and that's what the lesson is 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 you know oh. he you know he refused redemption okay. now i like that that's, that's fine that's and and so the, that's where a lot of people you know think that you know there's there's this great you know the idea of this great other entity besides god that you know there was like this huge battle awaiting and it's really more metaphorical about right. you know you know was, the redemption was always there it's just if you refuse to take it there's only that's that's all there is to it right there's only so many i told you so's the universe can give you before it just uh, calls your number you know what i mean Exactly. But in every movie, the, there's a bad guy that goes, oh, I want to be good now. And at the last minute, you know, <sighs> redeems himself and finds salvation. That's what the world is about. You can do that and, at any mm -hmm. time in any sort of way. And that's practicing, practicing that in small individual ways is really? how you begin to do that and begin thinking that your decision can positively affect somebody else if you make it or just yourself. And and then you go on from there to where your decisions help more and more people or harm more and more people. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I love these philosophical discussions. I try and stay away from religion because it's the one thing that I never even wanted to be educated on, you know? Well, and that's, you know, for me, like having grown up in the church and, and oh. being the kind of person that I am where I've read the Bible front to back three times, at least the Catholic version of the Bible. And of course that's where, you know, I have to tell people, it's like, you know, there are multiple versions of the Bible. It's just you know, every sect has different books included or excluded or whatever right. have you, or, you know, they interpret messages differently. Some are like some, some sects, they, they, they interpret it like extremely literally. Whereas, mm -hmm. you know, even within even within Catholicism, like we we take we took more of a metaphorical approach, right? And 
even understood the history behind some of the writings, like for example, Revelations, where they talk about the cities burning, it echoes Rome and Rome burning under Nero. Right. Like it's, it pretty much is like you know match for match, and 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 even and even still, you know, in a historical context, when you look at you know what was happening in Rome, you can literally put that on a number of different civilizations where uh-huh. you had a leader who didn't give a shit and the world was burning around them, and the people were like. Exactly. So, you know, it was the understanding that, you know, there were there were all of these different metaphors for what the end times would look like. Uh-huh. And even still, one of the things that we constantly, you know, had said was, is that you don't know when the end time is, period, end of story. And that's why, you know, you have all these people who try to predict when the end of the universe is, when the end of the world is, when right. Jesus is going to return. And we made it very clear, you know, there's what most people don't understand is, is that there are multiple ends of the universe mm-hmm. and the answer isn't just you know jesus shows up there's you've got things like for example you know what happens when your lights go out for the last time and you lay down and that's it but the, you know in a sense that is the end of the universe because exactly. you don't exist in it anymore and or do or uh, or or you know you know, there's any number of there's any number of different possibilities of mm-hmm. what the end looks like. Yeah, it only says that you know in the end Jesus will come for you, and and so the question is is you know is it kind of like the bus where you know you have a bunch of souls waiting and one day Jesus shows up and goes all right everybody on the bus <laughs> or is it or is it you know more of an individual approach where when your time comes and you expire you know you supposedly have you know Jesus waiting to take you home you yeah. know it, there's there's all of these different philosophical and theoretical possibilities behind it but that was the lesson is is that there was no predictability in what the end was there were certain signs that you know if you look at civilization in general yeah that's pretty accurate you know if you have great wars for example which when you look at the time of europe and you look at the way that you know how rome was sacked yeah the civilized world looked to be falling apart at that point in time. Mm -hmm. Um, When you look at, you know, famine, disease, you know, plagues, you had any number of different, you know, crop failures and, you know, the black death deciding that it needed three world tours. You know, the, the reality was, is, is that there were multiple different conditions of the end. Um, And every single time humanity has made it out of that. I'm not saying, not worse for the wear but survived yes right. and and of course you know you had a number of people that were like oh this you know especially with covid though this is a flu oh this is the end of the end of the world and i'm like yeah you know once again you know if it is the end of the world then you know here's my bus ticket you know until then i'm gonna keep riding to those who would tear the world down we will defeat you this is our moment this is our, this is our time to those Yes, we can. And to all those who have wondered if America's beacon still burns as bright, tonight we prove once more that the true strength of our nation comes not from the might of our arms or the scale of our wealth, but from the enduring power of our ideals, democracy, liberty, opportunity, and unyielding hope. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbow. It's a very mean and nasty.
nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. Ask not. Yes, we can. What your country can do for you. I have a dream. Ask what you can do for your country. I, poor little children. Yes, we can. One day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. In this lifetime, you don't have to prove nothing to nobody except yourself. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.